We need to address loneliness. It is literally killing us. But more and more, the research is telling us that there are real health consequences of loneliness. Results in a 29% increased risk of heart diseases. That's equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes every day. The problem is that more and more people are lonely today. In fact, it's almost one in three. We must connect to people. We must engage with people. Time and time and time and time again, it's community that saves us. My name is Rachel Abel, and this is The Missing Piece. I'm a leadership specialist and community builder at UNSW, and I'm also known as Head of Making Friends. The most important thing to me here at the uni is to make sure our 60,000 students feel connected, that they belong, they matter. In our now hyper-connected world, we're facing a loneliness epidemic which is taking a serious toll on our health and our well-being, and could be the next economic and public health crisis. Working at a university, I've come across so much research that points to community as the missing piece to helping solve this very real issue. But building community is really hard. So I thought I'd go out into the real world and interview the likely and the not so likely experts about how they build their communities. I'd like to share with you what we've learned and what the science says about how to build open and sustainable communities that boost connection and reduce loneliness. Why? We believe community really is the key to future-proofing education and also your business, our public services and personal relationships because belonging is better. So churches for many years have been at the centre of community, whether that's volunteering or running playgroups for um, preschoolers, humanitarian work or simply acting as local community building. I want to find out why that is, how that aspect of community has shifted significantly over the past 50 years or so. Um, And I'm really eager to find out how churches are adapting to the changing needs of the community and what we can all learn from that. So I'm walking up to St Barnabas Anglican Church right now, known locally as Barney's. It's a really modern church located right here in the centre of Sydney, a very urban environment. Um, You can probably hear the traffic in the background. And today I'm meeting with Erica Hammonds, who is an Associate Minister here at Barney's. She heads up several ministries and pastoral care initiatives and plays a key role in supporting women and marginalised communities in the church. Hi, Erica. It is so lovely to meet you and thank you so much for sharing some of your time from your, what I would imagine would be a very busy schedule to talk to us today. Thanks. It's good to be here. Fabulous. Um, And I guess one of my first questions is, um, you're an associate minister. What does that involve? And, And, you know, can you tell me a bit about maybe your journey here to to Barney's? Yeah, um, it involves pretty much everything. (laughs) Um, So partly what I do is I work with our senior minister to support him in what he's doing in the church. And that means overseeing basically all of the ministries that we run. So we look at each ministry, whether it's for women or children or youth or music or kind of name a demographic. We Part of what we're trying to do is look at that and say, how are these operating who are they serving? Are they service, serving the purposes that we 
would want them to. Mm. Um, do we need to tweak anything or change it radically? So it's kind of like vision oversight stuff for part of it. And then um, as part of that, we support some of the more junior staff in their roles. Yeah. Make sure they're going well, make sure they're growing. What kind of problems are they facing in their ministry? And can we kind of coach them through some of that? Um, and then we also try and help out the lay members of our church. So people in leadership, um, growth group leaders, people who run our Bible studies um, and people who run different ministries. And then a chunk of my time is also spent on kind of pastoral issues. So just general members of the church or people who aren't members of the church but have questions of the church, mm. um, meeting up with them to talk that through. So it's, it's pretty broad. Yeah, and I mean, it's great. great. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know. I mean, it sounds really varied. And, yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah. interesting. It sounds like a quite a large and complex organisation in the same way that maybe a business or kind of local council might be. Yeah, it is. You're right. Um, and it's sort of hard to explain in some levels, but um, we... We recognise that there are things that a church can do just by like gathering all people together and making no distinctions between them. That's sort mm. of what our services do. We get together on a Sunday, we sing, we hear from the Bible, we pray together, we share our lives, that kind of thing. Mm. But then um, during the rest of the week, there are lots of other kind of needs and ways that people are seeking to live out their faith or questions that they're wrestling with as they're doing that. And so we find that kind of breaking them into different categories like things like women, what are the issues that women face as they grapple with faith in a fairly complex world? Mm -hmm. um, we feel like we need kind of a specific ministry approach to that that would support them for the particular needs that they have. So that means running events or creating resources or finding ways that women can meet with other women to do that. And then you can kind of apply that to pretty much every other demographic that we have in the church. Um, they all have their particular needs and um, so we just sort of try and run ministries that are, you know, responsive to those particular concerns. And what was your, I'm really interested in your personal journey to the role you're in now. Yeah. How did you get into this work? And Ooh, um, So there's a long version of that in a short one. <laughs> I'll try and give you like the less boring, shorter version. Um, so I studied to be a human rights lawyer. That was like my right. original um, plan for my life. Yeah. And um, in the middle of that, to my very great surprise, became a Christian. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was not at all part of the life plan. Uh, but, yeah, I became a Christian at university and realised that I was uh, getting more and more drawn into serving in ministry in that sense and um, got some opportunities. I did a traineeship, which was sort of a way of, like, testing it out. Mm. And then I've just been offered roles since then. Um, the one that I got offered here um required a move from melbourne to sydney and that is like oh, wow. if anyone knows anything about melbourne you know that sydney is um the enemy uh, <laughs> so it was not it really that dark side. it was yeah. the dark side yeah. although it's much lighter than, than <laughs> melbourne actually um yeah so that was a very surprising thing but i felt god calling me up mm. here so mm. i went yeah the connection between church and community is kind of i would imagine just so core to yeah. what the church is about yeah um, how does the how does the church kind of view community? Mm. I think there's probably two ways of talking about it because church is a community in yeah. itself. Yeah. Um, and so partly we're thinking about like what kind of community are we forming and who is it serving and mm. is it serving all the people it should be or just some of them and how would we work that out? Um, so there's that side and then I guess there's also our interaction with the broader community. Um, do we actually have connections with them? What are those connections? Are we alert mm -hmm. to the needs that are out there or are we just sort of making our own assumptions about them? 
So those are all sorts of the questions that we ask and then um, the ways that we answer them are usually through relationship and getting to know people and um, I feel like one of my jobs as a minister is to help people work out that the community they have within the church, its purpose is to be sent out, I guess, into the rest of the community. So yeah, okay. you aren't supposed to just sort of enjoy these things in a nice little bubble together but yep. actually use them to resource the wider world. Um, yeah. And I'm really – so, I mean, Barney's is – right in the middle of a really urban environment and I would imagine it's you know it's very mixed in the center of the city of Sydney really in this particular area with the student population obviously Mm. working at university um, we have lots of international students as well as local students I know with the international students often talk about finding a church is a way of them connecting with the community they're here from overseas they might be feeling sort of lost and a bit lonely um, and finding a church is somewhere that then they can kind of feel that connection. Do you find that the students in this area really kind of look to the church for that kind of connection? Yeah, massively. Mm. Yeah, so we have a very high proportion of uni students here. Our average age as a church is 25 years. Wow, that's so young. Yeah, yeah. which is about probably about 50 years under the average age of most churches. <laughs> yeah. And it's largely just because of who's around us. Um, yeah. But part of that is that people come here and it's a very – disorienting thing to be in mm. a new city whether you've come from the country or yeah, another country yeah. um and you you have to form every kind of relationship and university is often a fairly hard place to do that because you're in a tute and you might meet someone and have a chat with them before or after class and then don't see them again um so we definitely find that one of the things that students value the most from us is that sense of belonging and people I know and people I get to see every week and we're in each other's lives and that's true for our international students as well. Lots of them come from China and haven't necessarily had the opportunity to engage with Christianity before mm-hmm. um, but have a friend who invites them to Barney's and they come along to our Chinese service and um, find the belonging that they have been looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there was research done a long time ago about the fact that many international students won't actually enter an Australian home in the entire time that they're studying in Australia, which is just one of those like devastating (laughs) statistics. Um, And so part of the one of the big factors for us is that we do most of our stuff in homes. Um, We run growth groups during the week, which are like our Bible study kind of things where people meet for a meal um, they cook mm. each other meals. Yeah, yeah. Um, they hang out in each other's homes, and I I think of that as one of the biggest contributions that we can make in terms of community building and sharing food as well. Yeah, massive. Um, I know that lots of people that we talk to about community that idea about sharing a meal, even if it's just really informal, and often the more informal the better. Yeah, is really something that's kind of so important in making those those connections and building those relationships and I guess if you're in somebody's home and they're serving you food that's such a a way of kind of welcoming somebody into that relationship yeah and we have we have a saying that we use a fair bit because we do talk about church as a family because the bible talks about church as a family um we say in a family everyone does the dishes uh, which is, I guess, trying to move us away from like a consumer-oriented approach to community, which is a, mm. a big issue. Like we still find people who they've never really experienced any community apart from their family that isn't communi- consumer-oriented. Mm. 
So people come in with those expectations and what you need to challenge them is by saying, actually, if we're all family, then everyone picks up a tea towel. Like this isn't about someone serves you an amazing Mm. meal and you sit back and enjoy it, but get involved. Like everyone has a part to play um, and that is down to do the dishes or help pick up after this or... Yeah, I love um, that concept that everybody does the dishes. It kind of also speaks to me around everybody having their place. Yes. Like everybody has a role and so everybody's important in the community as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And quite useful as well if you have lots of students helping to clean up afterwards. (laughs) Quite literally, yeah. Yeah. So, Erica's Everyone Does the Dishes ethos is not just about members' responsibility to contribute. It's also about giving people a sense of ownership and agency within the community. Community development scholars Phil Connors and Sue Kenny identified that a bottom-up participation is one of the defining features of effective communities. Participation is key to building community where members feel empowered, are involved in decision-making and feel that their needs are being met. A sense of membership to a community is boosted through active participation. So doing the dishes really does help the individual as much as the whole. It's really clear from, you know, just looking at what the church does, that there are lots of initiatives that you've really kind of looked and and decided or thought about what the community needs, the winter warmers, the women's praise nights, um, and take them a meal initiatives. I was really interested in the love your neighbor initiative because that kind of connected what you were just saying about reaching out to the community and going out into the community and really mm. understanding what the needs are. Can you just mm. sort of describe what that's all about? Yeah, well, it's it's in part an attempt to be obedient to Jesus' command that we not only love God, but we love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. But part of what that means is we have to know our neighbors. Mm. Um, and so we've done a fair bit of research about our neighbours. We're one of the highest, we actually are the highest density of student population um, in yeah. all of Sydney yep. um, around this area, which is not super surprising. Um, very high density of international students as well. Mm. But then also in our mix, we've got some quite well-off people and then some very not well-off people. Yep. Um, and not well-off means lots of things. Um, financially but also socially so one of the things that we worked out with love your neighbor which is a kind of a set of different ministry initiatives um, seeking to serve the under under resourced people in our neighborhood Um, one of the things we worked out is there are actually lots of organizations that are doing things like providing food to the homeless um, and to the poor so we didn't necessarily want to replicate that. Um, but one of the biggest things that they're missing is real relationship and connection. Mm. Um, and so our guys go in teams to areas um, like the MacArthur area down here and the aqueducts um, and some of the housing estates around the neighbourhood. Um, and we do bring, you know, tea and coffee and other things, but the purpose isn't really the food. It's it's to make connection where they might not otherwise have been connection, where... Um, isolation might have kind of gotten in the way of someone knowing that they're valued and that they're known and um, that people actually like literally know their name and care about them Um, and so those have been some of the biggest things that we have seen mattering to people yeah yeah. Um, as a response to that we've kind of we've done things like um, we've created a kind of like emergency response team within the church which has been amazing um 
So down to... I have lots of images of kind of like super vicars yes. there. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> that is <laughs> On exactly call, 24 right. hours a day. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, <laughs> donning on the, the black suit. Yeah, I think <laughs> the, we should have superhero outfits. Like yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, my dream, personally, for the church is for us to all have silver jumpsuits, but we haven't quite got there yet. I think that's very sensible dream mm. and vision and yeah I think you should yeah. definitely do that but yeah no this emergency response team is really just um you know we had one person who had a fire in her apartment mm. and she didn't have anyone she could call on to help her deal yeah. with that yeah from the practicalities of like where will I get clothes because I don't have any money in mm. my account down to how do I rebuild or get furniture or even just clean up this place um and so we were able to send a team of people, mostly our young students who've got plenty of time and energy, and they were able to help her quite literally like rebuild um, her life after yeah. this fire. Yeah. Um, we've got people who just need to move their house and they've broken their arm or something like that and they just need people who can like lift some furniture. Um, I what think people <laughs> forget as well that the church does so much work like that. Like yeah. you kind of would assume yeah. that – um, you know, social services pick up the slack with those kind of things, yeah. but the services just aren't really funded in the same way. And, yeah. you know, the church yeah. does perform a lot of that kind of social welfare support for lots of people. Yeah, and there are lots, I mean, there are, we're, I think we're so lucky in Australia to have so many of those services available and I wouldn't want to undercut how valuable they are, but um, a lot of them depend on like fairly formal like bureaucratic yeah. processes that lots of are, forms yeah yeah and yeah. that's not available to everyone mm. or it's uh, those kind of cogs churn very slowly and mm. lots of people's lives are kind of a bit more on the knife edge than that yeah um, for sure. so I think when you actually know your community you know names and you're trusted by them to, at least to an extent we can be a little bit more responsive and quick on those sorts of things yeah. than maybe a government agency could yeah um, I don't think we're in competition with them, but it's amazing to be yeah. able to kind of complement that. It's interesting that, you know, some of the words that you're using, there's a lot of research that points to that social connectedness yeah. and the relationships being so important yeah. to people having that sense of belonging to their yeah. community. Yeah. But also you mentioned the word trust as well. Mm. Um, and some of the research definitely points to trust being absolutely key, that people need to have that trust in the community that they feel part of to really feel that sense of belonging is that something that you kind of actively work to build that sense of trust mm, I don't know if I'd say we actively seek to build it I think we actively seek to be worthy of it mm. um like I'd, I wouldn't want us to think of trust building as like a PR campaign for the church because in a way that sort of feels like it's more oriented towards us but I think if we're yeah. worthy of trust, that's a different thing. Um, I think what we notice is like people, there are still some sections of society for whom like church is a positive thing and it does mm. come with a certain element of just like it's a given. I know what this entity is and if they're offering me support, I don't feel like too, it doesn't feel too problematic to yeah. engage with that. Yeah. Um, but I think very much so the majority of society has very good reasons why they don't trust mm. churches and institutions um but they know lots of christians and they trust them kind of on an individual level yeah um and so part of i feel like what we end up seeing is that people um 
are kind of happy to engage with individual Christians, but maybe not the whole church. And they don't they see a kind of a fairly stark distinction between those two different things. I like you. Yeah, that's don't like the church. Yeah. Um, you know, most of my friends are like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had one friend who said to me, There are only two Christians I like, you and Tim Winton. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. Um, I'm like, that's that's, well, that's okay, yeah. yeah. We're the only ones you know. <laughs> For hundreds of years, we've been trying to understand how, why and who we trust. Sociologist and philosopher Georg Simmel described trust as one of the most important synthetic forces within society. And research shows us that trust is essential to both building and maintaining communities. However, what happens when trust within a community has been damaged? The findings of the National Church Life Survey point to a serious erosion of trust in the church. As Erica has already mentioned, the church needs to once again earn the trust of the community. But what would that even look like? Last year, Harvard Business School professor Francis Fry delivered a TED talk about how to rebuild trust at a time when Uber had lost trust with every constituent that mattered. Fry was given the task of rebuilding. Now, trust, if we're going to rebuild it, we have to understand its component parts. The component parts of trust are super well understood. There's three things about trust. If you sense that I am being authentic, you are much more likely to trust me. If you sense that I have real rigor in my logic, you are far more likely to trust me. And if you believe that my empathy is directed towards you, you are far more likely to trust me. Both Francis and Erica understand that trust is not something that community gives freely. It's something you have to earn, to be worthy of, through demonstrating authenticity, reliability and empathy. And what's, I mean, I'm really interested in this kind of concept of of being worthy of trust because yeah. I think that's really interesting that you're yeah. kind of seeing that as not not something that, that you want to, in a false kind of way, earn that trust. Um, and I would imagine there'd be people who would find that a really useful um, concept to think about as well when they're building community. Are there mm. things that you think people can do or are there things that you do to kind of earn that trust and to show people that you're worthy of that trust? Oh, that's a deep question, isn't it? It is a bit deep, isn't it? We got straight in there. Yeah, go in there, yeah. yeah. Um, can I give you like a concrete example? Yeah, absolutely, for us? that'd be great. Um, so one of, part of my job is that I head up a domestic and family violence advocacy team. Yeah. And that was built with a kind of a purpose to not just speak to the church, but also speak to the broader society, I guess, from the perspective of the church or yeah. perspective of faith. Um, and there's lots of stuff that we could do in that realm there's so much stuff in the media or things that happen a woman is killed you know every week mm. um and so we could kind of speak in a condemning way about that what does this say about us as a society that this mm. is what we're doing but what we realized when we were kind of forming this team and thinking about our campaigns and strategies was we don't have any moral integrity to do that unless we've looked at ourselves first and we've really done the hard work of going well where is it in the church and 
do we know how it came to be in the church given that mm. everything in our belief system says that that should never happen yeah um so what is it how do we form the cultures um in our own church systems that mm. might permit it or excuse it or just at least uh, allow us to not even know that it's there mm. um and so for us, it, that was the biggest task is to go, okay, let's look inside first and do the work within us to have integrity about domestic and family violence before we, you know, talk to the rest of the world about it. I think that's kind of one example of what we need to do that, um, you know, the Bible actually tells us what business do you have to judge people outside yeah. you? Yeah. Um, actually, the people you should be looking at are yourselves. Um, take the plank out of your own eye first. Yeah. Um, so it's really just about going like, do we have integrity and how would we know? And are we willing to face it when we've made mistakes or mm. when we really need to own something? And I guess, you know, the church is not alone in that approach being needed at the moment yeah. in terms of integrity. Like yeah. At, you know, the banking commission and all of the issues that you know we have with the money markets yeah. and you know it's not too dissimilar really that aspect of integrity is something that a lot of organizations really need to look within and and wrestle with yeah. before they can kind of really go out and, and do that kind of work so yeah that's it's really fascinating so we often hear the phrase actions speak louder than words but when it comes to community, should we be practicing more than preaching? Researchers in the fields of psychology and behavioral economics continue to observe that people regularly mimic the behavior of others and have concluded that imitation is key to binding social groups. In his book about leadership, Peter Northhouse says that authentic transformational leaders always act in ways that build trust. And a study by Kuznets and Posner in 2002 found that truly transformational leaders modelled the way for others. We heard Erica say that by acting with integrity and modelling behaviour, leaders can help to transform their organisations. So thinking about, you know, we, we've talked a little bit around slightly more controversial topics um, and and as you said, this is a really young church. And often what goes along with younger um, communities is that there's a sense of, of something new and maybe challenging the status quo and moving on and doing things in a different way. So I'm really interested just um, in that young community and whether or not you've ever challenged a senior minister or whether there's kind of a sense of challenge in the church and doing things in a new way. Yeah, like today. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, just this morning, actually. I haven't seen him today, so I haven't had an opportunity yet. But uh, yeah, On a daily a, basis. Yeah, okay, great. Good. It's a very regular part of our life um, yeah. because we we think that the best stuff happens in like – kind of healthy conflict and mm. people being honest about disagreements and I mean one of the most beautiful things for me about working here has been that the unity that you can have working together with people you disagree with yeah because it's not about whether we agree that sounds quite similar to university actually. yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I think the thing that we have to challenge particularly for our younger people is to encourage them that their critiques are valuable and mm. that their opinions matter but to not just be critiquers to actually be constructive and to contribute mm. those are better c words for me than yeah, yeah. <laughs> than just critique because i think that it, there's a i think because younger people tend to be fairly disempowered in society they think their only role is to like point out what's wrong with things um 
But that really diminishes the fact that they can actually be part of making that difference. Yeah. Um, and so part of what we have to tell people is like, yeah, if you see that problem, great. I think you're right to see that that's a problem. But what are you going to do about it? Like, yeah. don't just assume someone else is going to fix it for you. Um, so, yes, healthy disagreement, very, very valuable, but also like do something with your disagreement. Yeah. I'd love to talk about um, a little period in the history of Barney's. People might remember the famous billboard battle that yeah. Barney's had yeah. with uh, the pub across the road. Yeah. Um, and and I didn't know about this because, you know, I, I haven't lived in Sydney that long. Mm. Um, but reading about it, just I just love this story. It's fantastic. So for, for people who don't know about it, apparently there was this battle running from 1985 <laughs> to 1997. Yeah. Um, and I love that it was running for so long. So the ABC and the Sydney Morning Herald reported it. Um, and th- what they said about it was it, it gave a message to the people and the community, not just around Chippendale and Ultimo, but people who travelled into the city and out of the city every day from as far as Parramatta. So people still talk about this yeah. today. It was yeah. something that everybody saw. Um, and what it was was that the, the billboards would kind of talk to each other. So there was a sign outside the pub and the signs outside the church and I've got some examples here. I'd just love to get your thoughts on it. So the church apparently had put up on its sign, if God offered you heaven or hell, which would you choose? And the pub would respond to the church's messages. So their billboard then said, I choose a hell of a good time in heaven, which I think is beautiful. <laughs> it's great, yeah. Um, and then, so another day the church had written, you have nothing that God did not give you. And the pub response was, I know I have nothing, but I'm not sure who gave it to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know who was working at the pub at the time, but they were doing a great job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm presuming this is before your time Very here at Barney's. Very much before my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But is that kind of like, it says quite a lot to me about the culture of an organisation. Is that, because yeah. there's a lot of sense of humour and there's yeah. a lot of connection and there was this ongoing kind of, you know, relationship. Does that say a lot about Barney's as an organisation? Yeah, totally. I think just just in terms of wanting to engage with our community and um, to like be involved in some like fairly cheeky back and forth yeah. is definitely part of our ethos here. Um, and I think just to kind of want to open up conversation more with people and yeah. um, get them thinking, I feel like that's a big part of what we want to do. Yeah. Um, I think it's changed now though because I think uh, the world's probably had enough of like rhetoric from the church. Mm. Um, they don't, I don't think what they need from us is like funny slogans as much anymore as um, something deeper and kind of more full bodied yeah. <laughs> um, expression of the love that God has for them. Mm. Um, I mean, I can still see a place for something like that, but I think there's, because of all the other things that I think have undermined trust in church as an institution, I think you can't just have a slogan. You need to have like a fully lived out ethic. Yeah. Um, and sometimes slogans can kind of get in the way of that. So it's not mm. something that we do as much. Any Like we don't, <laughs> we yeah, don't do yeah. the billboard thing anymore. Um, we talked about that, that connection with the young people coming into the church that for some it's the first experience of the non-consumer community totally and I guess you know also what you're talking about with that kind of slogan and very light-hearted it's quite like social media in a way and obviously a lot of social media is linked to consumerism of of one degree or another so it's quite interesting what you're saying that the church is offering and and you're hoping that it can offer a kind of more meaningful 
relationship to community is that kind of yeah I think that's it because I think you can get you can get all sorts of cleverness elsewhere right and I see the value of that like I love a good meme as much as anyone else (laughs) but at some point a meme feels hollow like if that's all you've got in your life um and that's all we're offering the world then that is pretty sad (laughs) um but if what we can offer is not just a kind of a witty slogan but an intelligent approach to the challenges of life or not just sort of like a searching question but actually good answers yeah then I think that's what we should be aiming to do Mm. so it's not so much like don't do those things but let's go deeper than that yeah um let's actually help people wrestle through these things and I think those things can only really be done in conversation and relationship and that that requires like mostly face-to-face contact yeah 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 we um interviewed a reality tv producer as part of this series Yeah. yeah um and and that was really interesting so she talked about messaging as being really important. Generally, like in her world, that's what it's all about. Um, and But she said, if you don't have a really clear message, it's really difficult for people to really engage with what you're offering as part of a community. Mm. Um, so do you think people are getting that message in terms of what you're talking about around the church? You know, And it's difficult for you necessarily to talk about the whole church. I mean, talk about Barneys. Yeah. Do you think you're getting that message out there to people? That's a good question. And also, thank God for reality TV producers. What a great (laughs) genre of TV. Um, Gosh, it's hard because... So the core message of the church, and this this is not just for Barneys, but any church, is the gospel. That Mm. Jesus died for our sins, that he rose again to new life, that he offers new life to all of us. Um, That... Like, that's a complex message in yeah. some ways. Like, I could yeah. say that in a sentence, but yeah. there's so much depth to that. It's deep, yeah. It's deep, mm. yeah, and um, also prone to misunderstanding. And so, like, are we getting that message out there? Oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, most churches don't have PR departments or yeah, yeah. things like that out <laughs> yeah. there. Um, how I hope we're getting it out is through our members mm. Um in the conversations that they have with friends and workmates and family and in the lives that they live that kind of complement that message. Yeah. It's very hard to measure that though. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's. I feel stumped by that question in a sense because how would we know? <laughs> we don't know. We well, have lots of people coming to us with questions like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is part of the role of the church, isn't yeah. it, for people to explore those kind of questions. Yeah. Um, in the last few years, um, there's been lots of conversation about people um, who may not have necessarily felt completely included by the church, and you've kind of hinted at that um, earlier in the conversation as well. So thinking about the um, LGBTQI community, for example, um. So do you think that the church can be an organisation that is completely inclusive to the community? Um, it, it is, does Barney's set itself up to be somewhere where everybody is welcome? Yeah, I mean, that's such a big question and yeah. it's a, a complex one. Not least because there is such a history of real hurt in that community, yep. those communities, I should yep. say. Um and where I think the church just needs to face the fact that we have wronged people um, in the message that they've heard and the experiences that they've had mm. of exclusion, of um, discrimination and pain. Mm. Um, and I think it's really hard 
to talk about that and then kind of move on to like, you know, what we should be because you want to give enough space just to saying like that is a legitimate yeah. wrong and hurt yeah. and that needs to be heard and I don't think – I think we're kind of in a moment of reckoning about that. Like we are hearing more voices from people and even just more research and, and data about the impact of that on people but even, um, you know, the same-sex marriage plebiscite I think – we'll be feeling the um, results of that probably generationally. Yeah, yeah. It's opened up the conversation mm. a lot more though as well, hasn't it? So, yeah. the, you know, it, the church has been able to enter into those conversations with yeah. people a lot more. Yeah. Some and of them have been obviously problematic yes. and, you know, but, <laughs> but it's still conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, that, I mean, an important conversation to be had. Mm. Um, I think any community needs to include and exclude um, in the sense that for it to be something, like for it to be a group of people, like it can't just be everyone. Um, and so that would be true no matter what kind of community you are forming. I think that's true of the church, but I think um, in the past and probably still currently, um, lots of churches haven't thought well enough about what mes- message of inclusion that they offer mm. people um, like LGBTIQ um, people in our community. Um, our vision at Barney's, as much as I can speak on behalf of the whole church, I can't really, yeah. <laughs> um, is that anyone who loves Jesus belongs with us and anyone who wants to investigate Jesus has a place to do that. Mm. Uh, that doesn't – like we have to be faithful to what we think the Bible teaches mm. and we do hold to what we think the Bible teaches, which is a fairly conservative sexuality ethic, yep. um, which is that sexual practice exists within – um, monogamous um, man and woman in marriage and that anything outside of that is not God's, not the fullness of God's intention for us as humanity. Um, but I think the problem when, when I say that, you know, the chill kind of goes through a room, right? Um, I think where our message can get misunderstood is because we think of um, belonging and inclusion and value as attached to um, the value statements people make about us. And so if I was to say I'm a sinner or you're a sinner, I think our society hears that as a sentence with a full stop at the end of it. I'm a sinner and therefore I'm not included or you're a sinner and therefore you must be excluded. Actually, the gospel is a much longer sentence than right, that, okay. which says you're a sinner, I'm a sinner and God's grace and love extends to us even in that. Okay. So to be to to name anything as sinful, whether it's my greed or um, your selfishness or whatever. I mean, I don't know you. That's not a judgment <laughs> on you. I have um, my moments. You know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. But to label us with any kind of label yeah. is yeah. not ever the end of the story yeah. f- from a Christian yeah. point of view, because God also says, "You, I love you more than you have ever imagined." And I welcome you in a way that's even more inclusive than you even mm. dared hope mm. um, because the, the message of the gospel is one of grace that says we are this but we're not just mm. this. God, God offers us mm. welcome and grace too. So, so acknowledge, acknowledging what people are yeah. and, and being inclusive in that concept, um, as you say, it's, it's such a complex conversation. Yeah, it really is. I think that idea of membership and... And the membership in a community, um, there's a lot of research actually that points to the importance of that sense of membership. You know, and we talked about belonging, but mm-hmm. membership is kind of a little bit different, I think, to that. And you've kind of alluded to that in that 
some you know in order to define community we need to define the membership and I guess that's what this conversation is about it's yeah. about you know how inclusive is the church in terms of membership yeah um what is also quite interesting about membership and I think relates really well to uh, places of worship as well is that ritual is actually one of the key aspects of people feeling that sense of belonging and mm. membership to a community and of course churches mm. are pretty good at ritual um so <laughs> i'm just thinking about the you know singing together and, and you're setting up what sounds like quite modern rituals there's obviously a lot of tradition with the anglican church and and ritual is part of what you do but there's kind of modern traditions as well or modern rituals that you're putting in place about you know going into people's homes and sharing food and those kind of mm. things is ritual something that still is you know and i know it's not Catholic churches have got the swinging incense and it's, you know, there's, you know, different religions have got chanting and yeah. various different things. But, you know, in terms of the Anglican church, how important is ritual in, in, in fostering that sense of membership? Yeah, I love that you've broadened out ritual to those sorts of things like sharing meals because I really do think of it in those ways rather mm. than the um, swinging of incense, although I'm sure that would be delightful um, <laughs> if I'd forgotten to have a shower that day. Um <laughs> Yeah, like the uh, particularly our church context, we try and keep some of the more, I guess, traditional forms of ritual um, to the minimum because we're bringing together people who um, have never been in a church before. A, mm. a large proportion of our congregation have never been in a church before mm. um, or have come from different church backgrounds. Another large proportion of them have come from different denominations um and so if we were kind of just screaming anglican at you that would be pretty um but intimidating a bit intimidating yeah, and yeah. weird and yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and so we want people to feel like they can belong even if that's not been their experience of church before mm. so yeah we're low on those sorts of things we have a liturgy that we say every week which is a way of kind of reminding ourselves of like what the core things that we hold to are and that's a way of doing it that i guess is sort of very um it's non-intimidating. It's just yeah. a thing that we share together. We just say it together during the service um, as well as singing and those sorts of things. Mm. But, yeah, you're right. The modern stuff is, I think, even more significant. And it can be harder for people to kind of – because it's less tangible in a way, it's harder for people to see those things as markers of real community. Mm. But they really are. Yeah, Eating a yeah. meal. Um, even just like someone knowing your birthday and remembering it or um, remembering – what your dream holiday is or that kind of thing and that's not mm. really a ritual but it's a way of communicating I know you yeah um so things like our meal roster program is a way of acknowledging that we have people who just for whatever reason illness or because they've had a new baby or some other kind of thing need some extra help I wouldn't call that a ritual um in one way it communicates belonging and membership mm. but what's even more significant is when people don't need a roster to remember that you have a need like that yeah um, and so I think that those are the sorts of things we want to yeah. foster but they're yeah. much harder to yeah. quantify because yeah. you know not everyone knows that that's happening yeah. for example. with your liturgy I'm just interested in when you when you're um speaking do you tell people that they're part of the community is that something that you specifically tell people yeah and do yeah. you think that has an impact on whether they feel part of that community yeah I mean I think people do need to be told yeah. <laughs> that they are yeah. because they can doubt it yeah you know sure. I remember when I was a student being involved in a Christian student group and I, I think I said something like 
um, I don't feel like I'm part of like the core of this group. Mm. And uh, my friends were like, no, you're definitely part of the core. And then we kind of looked around and we're like, oh, no one thinks they're part of it. Like yeah. everyone kind of doubts, but everyone else thinks that the other person is in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's how we tend to think about community. We kind of notice how other people experience belonging, but not our own mm. sense of it. Mm. Uh, so you do need to be told. <laughs> um, yep. So we do that from the front. Like we'll, when we talk about things that are going on for Barneys, we don't just say here's some events we've got going on. We'll say this is what's happening in the life of our family or our community and we'll say you're part of that mm-hmm. and we'll put calls out every week for people to get involved in a team or serve in a particular way or um, we try and highlight that so we get people up front and we'll ask them what's going on in the soccer community at the moment because we've got a few soccer teams um you know we try and highlight all of those sorts of things to emphasize like we're all part of this I think the unfortunate thing about um a structure like Anglicanism is that people can sort of think of the staff as the people who are like in that because you see them up the front and they're doing things um in their shiny jumpsuits and outfits (laughs) jumpsuits with our dance routines um (laughs) which are amazing um yeah, but it's harder for you to kind of recognise the, f- the stuff that doesn't get mentioned from the front as being a real part of the community. Mm. But actually with the way the Bible talks about the church, that's the real stuff. It's not the people who are like paid to do things. It's yeah. just the people who are in the pews finding out about each other's lives and loving each other in the complexity of those lives. Um, you know, we had one group who – it was another fire. There's a lot of fire in the life of Barney's for some reason, but mm. – um, you know, a young guy who was studying, he had a fire in his house and just lost all of his possessions. And his Bible study, who were mostly students and young workers, all put in money to buy him a computer and his guitar again and those sorts of things. Mm. And that's stuff that's not necessarily ever going to be mentioned from the front of church. Like you're not going to see that on a Sunday because that happens privately in the community. But Mm. we want to say like, that's belonging. Like, those sorts that's of things. That's what community is really about. That's what it's about. Yeah. 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 It doesn't need to be mentioned in a sermon for it to be real or important. That's beautiful. Mm. So we're coming to just my final couple of questions for you today. So this is a, a pet topic of mine, definitely. I'm just so interested to find out. I don't even know, actually, if ministers have got job descriptions. Um, but if, if you do, um, or if you could have one, is community building in your job description yeah I don't really you don't really (laughs) I mean I sort of do and part of the difficulty for me is that my role has changed so I started with one and now my role is fairly significantly different from that uh it's not formally part of my job description but it's kind of an implied necessary like foundation for pretty much everything I do so no and yes at the same (laughs) time (laughs) yeah so Thank you, Erica. That's been such a fabulous conversation. I could literally talk with you for hours and hours because I just find um, so many of the topics that we discuss so interesting and so valuable to the conversation about community. Um, I really loved your concept that everybody does the dishes. I Mm. think that's a great takeaway for people because that sense of agency and community is so important um, and that sense that everybody has their place but also everybody's contributing in their own way um, and I think that's wonderful I, I do 
really hope that the silver jumpsuit is a real thing. Um, <laughs> and the dance routines. It. I think, you know, you don't have the swinging incense, but I think the silver jumpsuits could really bring in some new crowds. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, but thank you so much as well for sharing some of your um, thoughts as well on, you know, some of the deeper and more challenging issues that the church, but also lots of people are facing as well, um, and how we can really be much more inclusive in terms of our communities and all of the challenges that people are facing in terms of supporting people um, in living out their daily lives and becoming more connected. Such an interesting conversation today, and it really left me with lots to think about. But here are your three practical takeaways from today's conversation. Number one, there's a big three of trust. Demonstrate authenticity, reliability, and empathy, and you'll be able to build trust in your community. Number two, actions really do speak louder than words. Remember to model behavior with integrity. And number three, it's really great to encourage all members of your community to actively participate. In other words, everybody should do the dishes. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you head over and follow me at Rachel Abel on Facebook or Rachel Abel underscore on Twitter. You can find snippets and additional content on the Missing Piece YouTube channel and all other kinds of posts on our Instagram at tmp.podcast. I'm Rachel Abel, head of Making Friends, and you've been listening to The Missing Piece.